Yes, what's up, guys? We have a new merch site at iycmgmerch.bigcartel.com. We have all your needs for the summer up there. We have t-shirts. We have hoodies. We have backpacks. Want to do some traveling? There you go. Go ahead and grab one. We have even have stickers. If you want to slap it on your laptop, that's cool. If you want to put it on your car and be a moving advertisement for us, that's cool too. Check it out at iycmgmerch.bigcartel.com. Charlie, hit our music. What's not seen until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. I know that we're the the jerking off stories are overplayed, right? But I got a new one. (laughs) So your grandma's your grandma's rolling over in her grave right now. Just so you know. (laughs) Plot twist: She's always watched me jerk off from heaven. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Dalton, I really wish you wouldn't I've... do that. <laughs> You're gonna go blind. Jesus is right next to me. He's shaking his head. You're gonna be blind in hell, son. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm home at work. I'm home from work, and I'm alone, as we all know, as we can tell, as we can see. <laughs> I love that the, the home bought. sign, the home sign on your wall over your of your shoulder is completely fucking crooked. Yeah, Charlie got it. Charlie got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, why? Because I hang my hats on it. Oh. The hats weighing it down. Hats. The you have one hat. It's it's not even on the middle hook. That's why it's leaning over. I hang my hat. Because my other hats right here in the couch. Perfect. Yeah. Toss good spot. it and see if yeah. you can land it on the hook. Yeah. Go ahead. Not a chance. You can hit a cat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he did not I'm land here. It on the hook, folks. <laughs> and um, you know, sometimes the mood come across you. You know, you start feeling a little bit of frisky in your pants. You're like, "Ooh, I need to do something about that." Oh and then the thought came through my head: nobody's here to say no if I just put porn on the TV. So I click the button on my Xbox controller. I go to Microsoft Edge, such a fitting name, and I type in P-O-R-N-H-U-B dot com. And I go to it, right? And I find a nice video, you know, I shimmy down my pants in the very spot that I'm sitting in now. Oh, and no. I start fucking waxing that pole, right? And all of a sudden I hear, Brooks County Sheriff's Department. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Have you so already stopped paying your child support? What's going on? <laughs> so i'll pull up my pants when i go to the door and i'm just sitting there like rock hard talking to this fucking sheriff the sheriff's deputy right he goes hey my name's detective so-and-so i'm looking for amanda fucking whatever her last name was and i'm like i'm sorry sir nobody by that name lives here he goes well according to my records uh she lives here do you mind if i come in and like check around i'm like no, I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to do that. And he's like, well, you know, do you have anything to hide? And we go back and forth for like 30 minutes. Eventually he leaves. And I was so fucking traumatized at that point. I couldn't even finish jerking off. Like, it was just done. It was just gone. You should you so, should have really, I mean, you should have stayed in the mood and just asked for a picture of the girl he was looking for. You know, maybe that would have really done it. And you could have capped off your... <laughs> Your self-exploration. Those showed up at my door. (laughs) 
It's like, excuse me, is someone beating off in here? Yeah. <laughs> you know how many fucking trailers there are in this park? Go knock on somebody else's. I got to go deal with my dick. Dude, right. Dude, I get fucking people's mail all the time. People send me stuff on Amazon. I, the latest how many one people have was lived there? a book. You think? Chastity like the- Dixon. Chico so-and-so, Amanda so-and-so, fucking dude, I get all yeah. sorts of people's mail here. I bet there's been and a lot I got of... an Amazon package a couple weeks ago. I had three 512 gigabyte SD cards in it. And then, yeah, Charlie. And then the second one I got is actually sitting over here on the table, Hold on. on the counter, a Bluetooth mouse that I wow. got. And the latest one was a book about Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> whoever chico is i'm very happy that you keep sending me stuff keep up the good work pal until he comes looking for it till yeah until he goes knocking on your door he knows where he's sending these hey man dude my my address i can open it if i want to as long as it's not u.s postal you're good <laughs> it's if you catch my scanners and the like my name is Dalton, and we are joined by charlie butters hey yo and austin heaven oh see i tried a new that's one last same. time and i didn't like it yeah, so that's an old diesel, man. That's so passe. what have a no, man. You got to come up with a new thing. What do you new mean season? a new thing? No, it's not a new season. There's never been any indication that we have seasons. We said on the last episode that this is a new season. I mean, you said that. I don't think I ever said that. Um, yes, you did. I just following your lead. There's no new season. Okay, whatever. We're just, just fucking fine. late. We're late, guys. We're, we're late all the time. Late. We're just it's, late. Yeah, it's we're just fault. late people. <laughs> Yeah, we're very late people. We're I'm a very late person. That's what it is. I'm the hold up for re, as hard as that might be for listeners to believe. <laughs> um, yeah, Dalton and his cat. So wait, so Dalton, you kept both cats. Is that the arrangement? Um, Victoria's living somewhere where she can't have cats right now. So I'm whenever she like gets her own place, that's her own. She's going to take Leia, and I'm keeping sweeps. Okay, which one was that? That was Squeaks, wasn't it? That was Squeaks, yeah. Yeah. Squeaks is the one that's always in heat, that's always horny, all the time. Because <laughs> you didn't get her fixed, man. Yeah, but I mean, I got two girl cats. What's going to fucking happen? You got like a hundred male cats outside. That's what's going to happen. You want... Well, they're not going to fucking get out. <laughs> they're going to knock her up. You're going to have kittens before you know it. How are they going to get in? She's going to get out. How? And she's gotten out before. Yeah, and you couldn't no, figure it out. out. Oh, it was the other one. Okay. Well, they do talk to each other. I'm sure they're comparing notes behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Anything interesting? Anything new? Well, I went home to Louisiana. Went back to Louisiana for Easter. So got to see a bunch of family. Can do that. It was a quick trip. But other than that, no, not much. Not too much going on. You know, shout out to Uncle Hooter who is always the, <laughs> a good name that gets thrown around my office because I've told a couple of stories about him and no one up in New York can believe that I have an uncle named Hooter. Now, it's not his legal name, but it's it's there, Uncle Hooter. Now, Uncle Hooter sounds like he smokes a lot of weed. He did. That's where he got the name from. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Called it. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's not his birth name. My good Catholic grandmother did not name a child Hooter. Uh, he just acquired that name through copious drug usage ever told you about my uncle carlos 
No, that sounds made up, though. No, his name is Carlos, but people way back then, or at least people in the rural south, didn't know how to properly pronounce Carlos. Like, it's spelled C-A-R-L-O-S. Right. But everybody called him Carlos. Carlos? Anyway, Carlos, yeah. Like, like imagine it had a U in it instead of no. But anyway, so way back in the day, like, he was young. My uncle, he used to be a police officer in Lakeland, right? And he happened to see Carlos driving to the fucking gas station, right? And he's fucking swerving all over the road. Pulls him over. Here's Carlos. What are you doing, man? You're drunk. You don't need to be driving. It's like, well, Cricket. It's my cousin's name. Cricket, you need to get more beer, man. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you expect. He goes, Carlos, go home. If I see you again, you're going to jail. A couple hours go by. Cricket's sitting in his car. You hear, this motherfucker <laughs> went gotta... home, got on his horse, <laughs> and rode his horse to town so he can get more beer. Oh, Cricket man. fucking whoop, blue lights him. Carlos stops the horse. Cricket pulls up like, Carlos, what did I tell you? If I saw you again, you were going to jail. He goes, Cricket, I was driving back then. Can't give me a DUI on no damn horse. So <laughs> Cricket was like, you know what? You go get your beer and you go home. Yeah, you got me on a technicality. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was pretty much what all I did. Uh, so my, um, I don't know, this may not make the recording, but my my mom owns a house down there, and my uncle Hooter lives in the house full time. My mom kind of goes back and forth between there and Colorado, and she's got a neighbor. On them. Huh? You got to check on them? No, just because she has a job. She has like a she's got like a real estate company down there. And then she also works in Colorado. So she's basically got two state, two different jobs in two different States. It's a whole yeah, complicated sure. thing. But when they have a neighbor comes over, he's big, like big, huge, uh, I think he's a NASCAR fan. They got like a camper in the, the park the gr- or next door and they go drive around to all the NASCAR events. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he came over and he's always got some kind of joke. And this is just, this just like affirms that I think Southern people are better at telling jokes than people up North. I mean, I oh, really, dude, and truly, so like there's just, you're not going to ever convince me, but he came over he said, well, you know, you start talking about his, first couple marriages and his current marriage. So, you know, after a while, man, things just don't work like they used to. And he goes, it's like playing pool with a rope. <laughs> and he said, and somebody told me about Viagra. And I said, well, why would I ever sharpen my pencil if I got no one to write to? <laughs> God, I love it. I love um, it. I just love, love that. rednecks, dude. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. I know he didn't write any of that. None of that was original, but. Shout out to Becky Balls. Shout out to Becky Balls. Becky. We love you. Give me that Becky. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. Speaking of Southernisms, uh, I'll tell another Uncle Carlos story. Carlos is my grandma's brother, by the way. Keep this in mind. My grandma, super religious, very devout, very saintly woman. So we're over at my grandma's house. We're just shooting shit, right? Grandma's in the living room. Carlos is sitting beside me. Carlos looks at me and goes, Dalton. I look so bad, I could hop into a barrel full of titties and come out with a dick in my mouth. <laughs> oh my god, that's oh, good stuff it. though. I like it. So yeah, what about you, Charlie? You got anything going on? We jump oh, man, in? I, I've been busy with the uh, the other podcast, IW Guy. Just been tearing it up. All kinds of interviews with all kinds of wrestlers, and you know, making waves over there. It's been it's been nice. 
uh, that's been on the back burner for a bit. So I'm excited uh, to get back on the saddle with this and kind of get things going here again. Get back in it. Yes, 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 yes. And we are. Um, So last week we talked about Jordan Belfort, the the self-proclaimed wolf of Wall Street who never really actually worked on Wall Street. Nor as as a wolf. Um, last week, you're telling me this guy's a episode, fucking liar. Yeah, he's he's kind of a liar. <laughs> and you know what? He may lie some more in this story. It's you know, it, it's it's kind of weird that that. Happens. I'm gonna judge him by his his wins, not on his losses. Are you? Know? <laughs> <Is> there... <laughs> hey, Austin, do you have a movie? Do I have a movie? No. Yeah, no. do you have a movie? No, not a feature. No. But when you hear today about how not that movie, one that we can show people. Right, right. That I would ever <laughs> want to escape. Um what what you're gonna find out today is how exactly Jordan Belfort got his movie. Um, and you may actually think a little differently about the movie or maybe you won't dalton probably won't because he, he probably won't <laughs> shameless does give a shit about anybody <laughs> Dude, by the way so qt my new favorite gas station then their fountain machine they have like their brand of energy drink this thing was full when i got home that's insane i'm vibrating right now <laughs> I can run through a fucking wall, brother. I'm sure that's going to be good for you later in life. I'm sure that'll never uh, catch up or do anything bad. <laughs> when he's on like Dude, 17 medications when he's 36, we'll we'll laugh back at this conversation. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to die of heart failure before I'm 40. Who am I kidding? <laughs> it's not that far away. I mean, that's, that was my biggest fear. So, um. So, yeah, so today we're primarily going to talk to a guy. He is um, a, a Malaysian gentleman by the name of Joe Low. Joe Low. Not Joe Mama. Not Joe Mama. <laughs> not How Low. Not, not, not Ski Low. Joe Low. Uh, and this is a like ridiculously big story like this is this is maybe the biggest grift we've ever this is not even maybe this is absolutely the largest scam we've ever covered on this show this uh, joe low brought the fucking heat yep oh yeah he brought the heat actually i I don't bigger scam than patriot beer (laughs) (laughs) Um, listen up lip tart (laughs) Is it called Bud Wright? Twenty dollars for a six pack, baby. I ain't get ripped off. <laughs> so I gotta, I got to draw overdraw my bank account to own the libs. <laughs> <laughs> I paid that overdraft fee. That's on you. Fuck you, Biden. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so let's go, Brandon. Overdraft God fee protection. Oh my God! God. Overdraft protection. God damn. <laughs> Goddamn Joe Brandon making a beer game. You know, my Don't uh, no, I just this. love the fuck you by not paying that overdraft. <laughs> you paid $20 for the beer and $30 for the overdraft fee. That means you are a proud fucking patriot. Bro, imagine paying $50 to barely get a buzz. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well drink rubbing alcohol at that point. <laughs> uh, the best part is, is like the ple- the people they were going 
and a half make it was in Indiana and they couldn't ship it because you can't make beer in Indiana and ship it out of state. That's hilarious. On top of that, they turned them down once they found out what it was for. So now they're just saying that you'll get it within 30 days of purchasing it. Oh my God. They got some I can't, I can't wait for like six months from now when people are up in arms and they got ripped off for some $20 six packs. Get in line. Oh my How God, many of these things never... driver of beer. <laughs> so good, dude. I, I, I do. We, I, the more, the more it happens. I say, Austin, we really just need to start scamming the fuck out of these people. Like I need to be rich off of, off the, dude, the, we uh, off so the broke backs of these fucking dumbass MAGA people. I just, I, I can't, I, there's no fucking way that the beer if this beer turns out to be a scam, that it's the only scam these guys have fought. I mean, I've looked on, I haven't oh, gone. No, he's a career grifter. Yeah. Like I haven't gone on, on there, but I remember when I was buying Dalton, his birthday present a few years ago, that Mike Lindell bobblehead, <laughs> that the, the shit that gets sold on my pillow. Cause they have like a, they have a, a marketplace and it's all this patriotic crap i mean crap like you don't need is it the same as that uh the, the patriot the patriotic amazon or whatever that they sort of yeah it's it's a lot of the same stuff like it's a lot of books about like how to be you know the the right superhero i mean it was just crap 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 so it was it was all bad stuff so if it's anything like that i also today was on um trump released a new nft a couple of days ago <laughs> Uh, and I mean, it's already bottomed out in two days, but he sold out. He made something like four and a half million dollars, uh, on the, on the NFTs and then it just tanked. So I think that's beautiful. I think that that's, that is the, the, the final resting place. The NFT really deserved <laughs> is to be, Dude, I, I really just, hope the final episode of this podcast is just Austin talking about how Dalton and I fucking scammed a bunch of MAGA people out of like. <laughs> 12 million dollars and then you never hear from us again it's just me on here and i'm like i haven't even heard from him i don't know what happened to him i just want to apologize to all the listeners and then you'll just tell the story of how you met us and how it happened and that'd be it i austin adams do not share the viewpoints for charlie butters and dalton harris (laughs) you know what i'm gonna do that even if you guys don't end up ripping off maga people i'm just that's gonna be you'll know if there comes an episode and it's just me and going hey guys we need to talk that's the last episode you're never gonna hear from any of us again i'm just gonna prepare you for that we're at what is this episode 48 yeah so i mean if you if you you come across this somewhere in this feed you're listening to this in order and you hear hey guys it's Austin. We need to talk. It's over. Just we're done. You take your money out of the Patreon. <laughs> we're off, done. Then. Yeah, we're, we're done. Um, <laughs> Turn off God. the Patreon. Just <laughs> so I have as of right not now. Fucking turn off the Patreon. Are you kidding me? Why do people forget to fucking close their account? No, we're not doing that. That's not us. <laughs> Um, that's not you <laughs> Dalton, who's got the password for it uh-huh. yeah that's what i thought um butters I- harris 2024 <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> butters harris 2024 they went rogue <laughs> our um, campaign slogan we're gonna bring back full re- Dalton harris let's go <laughs> uh well, i guess they're quiet I just want to vote on who <laughs> who who replaces me. I, I just would like one vote. I'd probably vote for Marcy, but that like that would be who I'd want to replace me. I feel like that's appropriate. That's fair. She'd do I like it Marcy. too. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, so we've gotten one sentence through my script. Um, 
just just so, just <laughs> so you been, know we've been doing this for an hour all for 40 minutes yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> so joe Lowe, my my buddy joe Lowe. uh he was born Three, six, in nine. damn you fine <laughs> one more time get low no this is different. Okay, this yeah, cut that, Charles. Cut that one. <laughs> no, no, I'm putting the music in behind it. It's, it's all good. So, uh, Joe was born in 1981, in October 1981, in Malaysia, in a fairly well off family. His dad is kind of a weird, weird story. The guy's name uh, it was Larry Lowe, and he kind of has a mixed record. It sounds like he's not very good with business, but he made like one really good investment uh in a garment company when he was younger and he ended up selling that for uh his shares in that company for 15 million dollars which at the time in malaysia went a really long way so they had some money but generational wealth it became generational wealth yeah basically and and he but he didn't seem like he was very good at business and he also, um, a lot of the stories that I read about him were that he really liked to party. You know, like he just didn't want to work. He wanted to just take his money and go drink. And I'm like, hey, you know what? If you have $15 million, go fucking do that. Like leave everybody My alone and just go run away and spend your money living someplace cheap the way you want to live. But um, yeah, that's, the, that's the plan, Austin. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Charlie is somewhere in Malaysia doing cocaine off of hookers. <laughs> well, you guys, have, I'm curious to see what you sell because there is a whole lot of hot garbage in that world. Cocaine. <laughs> Patriotic cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut with baby powder made in the USA, baby. Um. So, yeah. So uh, he had enough money, obviously, with this $15 million that he decided he wanted to send uh, Joe, his youngest son, to an elite school. Right. He's like, we are going to get a good education. You're going to make connections. Right. Because these elite schools, they still produce some dum dums, but people come out of there with like incredible connections to other wealthy, wealthy it's people. About networking. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, he packs up Joe. Joe goes to the UK and he attends the um, Harrow School, which is a very famous private school. Uh, Winston Churchill went here, for for instance. I mean, this is like this. This is a school in the UK that the list of alumni were like everyone was like a lord or a lady or an earl or a duke, and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, but these are all like old royal money. And you too can become a duke or an earl or a lady or a sir if you go. Look up Sealand, go to their website and buy <laughs> this name from them. This is a reference to our Sealand episode back in the archives. Check it out. Episode what? What number? I don't fucking know. <laughs> 24. I'm going to check right now because I don't remember either. Um, you were close. Oh, 24. Holy shit. How'd you know that? Was it 24? <laughs> it's 24. <laughs> I've got the best memory in the world. Yeah, that's a bunch of you got lucky, sunshine. All right. Um, so listen, brother. The only thing I get lucky with is is gambling what? and winning. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Neither. Your your sweet cat is next to you during the recording, looking at you like dad. Doesn't really pick up. You got anything to say? <laughs> there we go. Did you pinch her <laughs> to get her to do that? No, I did a little, I did a little back stretch. <laughs> <laughs> On cue, that's impressive. So now you got this kid, Joe, 
right? And he's going to school. He's, I mean, he's a, a kid of a, a millionaire, really, but he's going to school with like these heads of state, the children who are heads of state, children of like billionaire families. I mean, these people are a completely different sort of class of wealth. And I think that it sort of, you know, without overanalyzing someone that I've never met, I think it really gets to him and he starts to try to be a little competitive, right? Like he's the poor kid in this crazy rich school. So we should just pull up the guillotine in front of the school and march them out one by one. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it. <laughs> there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of jealousy going on there, but Joe is very resourceful as we'll, we'll, we'll come to see. And uh, he wasn't going to let being not the wealthiest person at the school stop him from letting people think that he was the wealthiest person at the school. Um, so he really started to network his ass off. He started to make up kind of a backstory, you know, that may or may not. It wasn't very true. Um, he he was a smart guy, too. He speaks uh, five languages. So networking kind of became like a thing that he could do in multiple languages. Um and one of his most important connections that he made while he was at Haro in, uh, in there in the UK was a guy named Riza Aziz. And this guy is the stepson of a Malaysian politician, very prominent Malaysian politician. And this is going to come into play a little bit later. But really quick, Dalton, you're smiling. Yeah, I thought of Aziz and sorry joke whenever you oh. said that. <laughs> you yeah, his name. Aziz wishes he has that Riz boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> So uh, anti-Riz. Austin, do you get that joke? Yeah, I do. I just don't like Aziz. Okay. I'm sorry. So, uh, uh. See, I think it's less sexual harassment and more that he has zero game, right? <laughs> like if or, he knew how to talk with women. I, he knew how to very, talk to women. I never thought he was very funny. And so that's like your one thing you might have going for you and you don't actually have it going for you. But he had that one good show. And then he had that one joke that was just like, jizz everywhere. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, so I'm going to read you a real quick quote just to kind of paint the picture. There is this incredible book. It's called uh, Billion Dollar Whale, and it is by Bradley Hope and Tom Wright, and it's fantastic. Uh, it, this is about Joe. He said he began to foster an aura of a rich prodigy on campus. He drove around in a maroon um, SC430 Lexus convertible, which he had leased but passed off as his own. He deliberately didn't uh, correct rumors that he was a quote prince of Malaysia, a claim that made other Malaysian students laugh when they heard it. Lowe was playing a part, and it was not just to overcome any insecurity about his provincial background, but it was aimed at getting him to the right into the right social circle. He identified the wealthiest students and pursued friendships with them. He got to know Hamid al-Wazan, the son of a Kuwaiti construction and energy magnate, and he befriended students uh, from the rich Gulf states of the Middle East. So this guy is like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go be besties with the richest people at this school, which is not a bad idea, really. I mean, if you if you surround yourself by that much wealth, people are going to automatically assume yep. exactly. that you, yeah. And he's faking it right away. I mean, like, there's red flags almost instantly with this guy. It's like, uh oh, it's of Malaysia. Here we, yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, so, keeping with his newly invented persona, Lowe started throwing like huge parties. I mean, like, this is so when you watch The Wolf of Wall Street and you see those parties now, just imagine them like times 10 for this guy, Joe Lowe. Like, this is the guy who was bringing in like, celebrities and like these beautiful women to these giant parties running out entire clubs to to throw stuff um so for his 20th birthday party 
they were the he was going to school near Philadelphia and he decided to rent out an entire club to throw his own birthday party. He ended up spending like $40,000 to rent the club Jesus and throw this Christ. big party for himself. Yeah. So there, you know, there he goes. Um, he leaves Harrow school and most of the people that went to Harrow school would either go like Cambridge or Oxford, like one of the prestigious kind of stuffy, you know, UK institutes. He was like, no, no, no. I want to go to the United States. So he goes to Wharton school and we've talked about Wharton school a couple of times. It's where Dr. Oz went. It's where Trump went. It's where Elon Musk went. Um, so He's they have university. Yeah. Warren Buffett went there and there's some arguments you can make about Warren Buffett too, stealing yeah. almost every bit of money he has. Um, so this is actually from a um, New York times article about Joe Lowe. And it says, in college at the Wharton School and the University of Pennsylvania, Mr. Lowe kept up his ties back home by running a Malaysian student group. But he also came to know the children of prominent Jordanian and Kuwaiti families. Even before graduating, he was managing money for what he later described as, quote, my family and close Middle Eastern and Southeast Asian friends. After college, many of his business deal, his early business deals were based in Malaysia, helping a Kuwaiti bank purchase a high-rise complex called the Oval and bringing Middle Eastern money into the country to finance a commercial zone in the South and a new financial district in the capital. By 2007, he had formed an investment group that included Malaysian prince, a Kuwaiti sheikh, and a friend from the United Arab Emirates who went on to become ambassador to the United States and Mexico. So... And them Dubai boys, they got money. Yeah, he they got, got, they got it's, money. It's noticeable how early and how often he's doing deals with people in the Middle East. You know, like he's that's really his target. He loves the United States. He loves being here, but he gets most of his funding from like very oil rich Middle Eastern companies. Right. And as we get a little further into the story, that makes sense based on him being from Malaysia. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's just setting up what he's been doing. So this whole time, like his whole life up until now, it's just been about like networking and trying to get his way into these prominent moneyed circles. And he does a good job because he absolutely gets in them. Um, so he graduated in 2005 and he ultimately returned to Malaysia where, again, you know, we mentioned some of the, the earlier schemes. The big scheme that he wanted to pull, and I say scheme, having looked back on what is going to happen and you'll understand why. But he he really decided that um, a way to make some money and to ostensibly help his country, Malaysia, was to start a sovereign wealth fund. And this is something that basically a sovereign wealth fund is... Um, Austin saw the confused look on Mount of Charlie's face. I had a feeling it was coming because I learned a lot more about sovereign wealth funds than I ever knew. But basically, uh, it's an estate-owned investment fund um, that manages and advances the, nas- the national savings of a country. So let's say your country is a massive exporter of natural gas or oil. It's an oil-rich country, right? Right. All of your... The, the nation's wealth is tied into oil, it can be very volatile, right? Oil can run out. Oil, the price of oil is always going up and down. Extraction is really, really expensive, right? So you can have a pile of money that can grow or shrink based on a bunch of different factors, you know? So what this is, is this is a tool that a bunch of investors got together and said, hey, 
nations, you guys have all this money that you're going to want to spend back on your nation, you know, capital investment, all that kind of stuff. Maybe you should take it and and invest it in a bunch of different things and get some return on your money that's a little bit more stable than just relying on export resources. That's a really big simplification. But basically, it's like, these investors saw these these countries that had a lot of money, like Malaysia did, because it's got a bunch of oil exports. And they were like, how can we remove that money from those? Like, how can we get a big fee off of that country? Right. How that's, can we take your money? Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's like that's what investment companies do. Right. They they're they're right. their pitch is they're going to make you more money by investing. But they make money through the fees that they charge for handling your money, right? So they're always looking for exactly. new sources of money. It's just like crypto in that way, where it's like we've got to put fresh cash, fresh capital constantly. We have to constantly find new new sources of revenue. That has to get exhausting there, right? It is. I mean, it's why people at the top of these investment companies are paid a fortune because they have to like ski. It's, it's as, you know capitalism a capitalistic society progresses it's harder and harder to make money doing you know like the actual things that you think a business would do so like manufacturing fucking gone right well yeah but i mean also it's like uh, you can only manufacture so much right so then it's like well what else do we do Mm -hmm. well let's take that money invested in other things and try to make money from our money and it just becomes harder like the the returns eventually start to diminish unless you invent new ways of making money right so you're always See, looking for this money it's like that's just like the poison of like that grind set mentality absolutely absolutely it's like i've seen so many tiktoks and videos it's like bro let your money make money like yeah. no that's not good eventually you're going to put like a thousand into this one thing and it's not going to work out and you're going to have like you're going to be foreclosed on your home yeah (laughs) that's what's going to happen to the regular person or you're also going to just nickel and dime every little service you know like your returns are going to get smaller because there's less money in the system but there's also like you're going to just start to I, i mean like processing fees or look at like Ticketmaster, right? They don't, they're not happy enough just making money off of ticket sales. Now they fuck with you with like prices and fees and all kinds of, you know, it's like, it's insane. And like all of that is because they have to hit X number of returns and they're always looking for more ways like within the margins to find this cash. So, and as long as you keep paying that price, they're not going to stop. Well, yeah, they're the only game in town. So yeah, you've got this country that's sitting on billions of dollars. It's almost like our truck. It's almost like our anti trust laws mean nothing well yeah yeah um yeah <laughs> so the, this these investors are like hey listen let's look at these countries they have a lot of money that's usually just sitting around not doing anything what if we can go in and get a piece of that and that's why a sovereign wealth fund was sort of established as hey look at this vehicle that can make you money from your money and then you could put it back into your country and give it back to your people that just that okay. second part doesn't always happen, uh, right? <laughs> so we're about to find out. Um, That's why it's a scheme. Yeah, yeah. So um, initially, Joe Low, I'm just going to call him Low going forward, approached the uh, one of the local sultans. So in Malaysia, there are 13 states, and each of those states is run by a different sultan. So it's like a, it's like a mini. Um, they're like many kingdoms, but then as a country, they're they're seen by like a parliament and a prime minister. It's very it's a weird system. I'm not Malaysian, so I don't totally understand it. But uh, he I don't goes, know how this works. I've played Prince of Persia. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I don't think that was in Malaysia, was it? 
I don't know. It was somewhere yeah, exactly. over there. I don't know. <laughs> Dalton brings us geography. Um, so basically, he approaches one of the sultans and he says, hey, I would like to start a sovereign wealth fund. The, the sultan likes the idea, doesn't seem to like Joe Lowe very much. So he ends up kind of pushing Lowe out of the equation and starts up the sovereign wealth fund for his individual state. In <laughs> what Malaysia. an asshole. I know. <laughs> um but it was it it didn't didn't matter because in um 2009 a guy named najib razak was elected as the prime minister and lucky for lo he had become best friends with najib razak's stepson riza azaz Mm. so he immediately has like a way in he's like hey riza your stepdad just became the prime minister what 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 are you smiling you could say he ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Rizzo, the Jizza, old dirty bastard. I know, I know, I know. Inspector Deck. <laughs> Method Man, Red Man. Yep. You good? Yeah, 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 I'm good. <laughs> so, um, there's a new prime minister. Jolo is very close to this family now and he comes at him and he's like, Hey, I've got all these connections in the middle East. You should absolutely use me for my connections. I can get you connected to a lot of money. I can get you all this other stuff. Oh yeah. And the Sultan over here started a sovereign wealth fund. And I think you should take that over and make it a Malaysian sovereign wealth fund. And I'll help you get a bunch of middle Eastern money to contribute to this sovereign wealth fund. And the prime minister buys into it and says hey yeah let's do it that sounds like a great idea let's 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 raise this money let's pull in this like foreign investments let's raise all this money and then let's improve malaysia let's make it a better place to live to work um and that sounded nice enough i mean at first it was i think it probably legitimately started that way but it doesn't last for very long um so they take over this the sovereign wealth fund that was localized in the state and they they expand it to the entire country of malaysia and they call it the um one malaysia development berhad and berhad is a it's a malaysian term that is used for public issued companies Right. So like okay. if anything has Berhad at the end, I, that's a new thing I learned. It, it belongs to the state of, of uh, Malaysia. So essentially, and this is from The Guardian, says the purpose of the fund, which was set up by Malaysia's prime minister, Najib Razak, in 2009, was to promote economic development in a country where the medium income stands at approximately 300 pounds per month. Right. So that's like 200 bucks a month. That was the national income. So they were like, hey, if we can make a bunch of money, we can improve life here, blah, blah, blah. Um, The fund, which I'm going to start calling one MDB, just because that's the initial. Thanks for the thumbs up. What do you what do you do? It quickly. I appreciate learning about uh, Malaysian uh, state owned properties. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, going to quiz you on this next week and see how much you actually remember. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, for, they they basically they they ink this deal with a Saudi Arabian petroleum company, an energy company called Petro Saudi, and it was worth two and a half billion dollars, right? So Petro Saudi said, 
we will let you in on our oiling rights if you contribute cash money. So Malaysia said, yep, you know what? We got a billion dollars laying around. We'll throw in our billion dollars. You throw in shares of your company and we'll form this, this, this new entity that will make us all a lot of money. And then we could take our part out and send it to, you know, back to the people of Malaysia and help improve the country. So it was like a merger. Yeah, it was like a merger. It's like a deal. It's like, hey, this is our okay. first, this is the first participant in this big fund. Um, so it said uh, one MDB, meanwhile, which is the Malaysian fund, would contribute a billion dollars in cash, tapping some of the money it had sitting in its bank account in Malaysia. And it, it sounds like a good deal, but most of what Petro Saudi actually brought to the table were just claims. They were like, oh, yeah, we definitely have this. And we definitely have these leasing rights to Venezuela where we can pull oil and we definitely do that. And there's a little bit of shadiness with that that actually may not be the case. Um, the guy. Has Venezuela just been fucked with throughout history? Yes. Any country that has oil has been fucked with throughout history. Okay. Basically, I mean, not throughout history, but throughout modern history. As soon as we figured out that oil was valuable and you could run things on, we were like, let's get everywhere that has it. But basically, America said, what you got over there? Yeah. Hey, what you doing over there? There's a lot of sand, but do you know what's underneath it? I hope not, because we want to get it. Um, Did you mean to say Venezuela? I didn't even know. Yeah, Venezuela. Oh, yeah. There's a like shitload South America, of oil. Venezuela. Yes. Yeah. There's a shitload of oil in Venezuela. They're one of the major oil exporting countries, which is why the we're Venezuela so interested. The United States did a coup to overthrow the government. Yeah. You know why? Oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah legitimately. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> legitimately. I thought it was just socialism. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, they 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 went socialist because they had so much wealth as a nation. But then the you know United States and our allies put up so many um, so many barricades, so many um, tariffs and and trade export. Like, see, that's just that's just what I thought it was. I thought it was like due to them becoming socialist nation, United States is like, no, can't have that. Well, <laughs> that's the excuse, but the real reason is oil. I mean, it's always always oil. It's like we don't want socialism, okay. but we want your oil. So let's let's replace your leader as often as we can until we get somebody that agrees with us that will literally give all of the wealth of your nation away despite the people um we could just do like a spin-off american history podcast that'd be really fun to like tell like you know like really fun things that united states government's done to other uh third world countries it's exhausting it's exhausting there's so much there's so much Dude, yeah it would never end that's the point no, we could just do it forever end. that sounds like hell <laughs> <laughs> um so the guy who runs Petro Saudi, uh, Petro Saudi is one of the Saudi princes. His father is the king. He, however, he is the seventh son, and he is not heir to the throne. So this is like a, kind of a minor, uh, you know, prince Saudi princeling. You know, like, he just right. doesn't have the kind of power. But it doesn't matter if you introduce someone as a Saudi prince; they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, they clearly have a lot of money." So I think that that works to his favor a bunch. Um, so. Again, from um, from Billion Dollar Whale, really quick. It says, so with a billion dollar deal in the works, the Petro Saudi 1MDB deal, it was time for 1MDB to staff up. Prime Minister Najib uh, himself held the highest position as chairman of the board of advisors with power to appoint board members and veto decisions. The fund appointed um, Sharol Halmi, so I'm going to fuck up all these names, a former consultant at Accenture Ooh, in Malaysia. Racist. 
Stop it. <laughs> As the chief executive, other hires included Casey Tang, a finance director at a Malaysian retailer who became an executive director, and Jasmine Liu, a smart Malaysian lawyer as legal counsel. One name was missing, however, from the list of, of positions, Jolo. Lowe decided to take no official role, but in truth, he was behind every decision. Najib had given Lowe a free hand to run the fund, and Lowe had stuffed it with his associates. Tang and Lou were among the Malaysians Lowe had uh, gotten to know when he was doing deals after returning from Wharton. Uh, plucked from relative obscurity, Shaurol would soon show that he could be relied on to blindly follow orders. So with the staff in place, things began to move quickly. So, so we're getting somewhere. Yeah, now we're starting hand. to now we're cooking. Your yeah, volume just now, went down. Now he's cooking. There you go. Now he's cooking. Um. So the initial but billion why, dollars. What is he cooking, Austin? Well, you're about to find out. As part of that Petro Saudi deal, the Malaysian government was putting up a billion dollars, right? And the initial billion dollars that was promised for the venture never arrived. Weirdly, um, Low had oh, actually. Man, that's so weird, right? It's weird. Like we're talking about this guy, and he just sold a shitload of money. Uh, Low arranged it so that seven hundred million dollars of that initial one billion dollars um, would go to a different Swiss bank account. Now he assured everybody. What this, a fucking asshole! <laughs> he assured everyone involved that this was a bank account that was owned by Petro Saudi. It was not. It was a bank account. Um, that belonged to an investment firm called Goodstar Limited. Goodstar Limited was a shell company controlled solely by Jolo. He what a piece of shit! <laughs> just stole in one swoop, sold seven hundred million dollars from. He just said they didn't think that they would notice it missing. Well, so he's smart. Or did he not care? He cuts everybody in on the deal. So everybody that's involved is getting a share. They're getting their cut. So he's cutting in what the, a piece. the Saudi princes. Ah. He's cutting in all of his associates. So he starts to spread this money around, right? $700 million. He doesn't keep it all. He just starts to like pay off various people to kind of keep quiet. And, and like, I, I will say this early on because this does happen a few times. You think that, well, why are these... How is he able to rip off these Saudi or these, you know, Middle Eastern royals? Like, won't they notice that some of this money is gone? Typically, he's not working directly with these royals. He's working with whoever kind of their person is. So, like, they have people that are in charge of their investments and making the money. And so what Joe would come in and do and say is say, hey, so you're supposed to be making friends for this. This You're supposed to be making money for this prince, right? Here's an opportunity you guys, I don't I mean like kind of just look the other way and I'll give you a hundred million dollars and you can take 50 and then you can give your boss 50. And the guy doing it is like, fuck yeah. Like that's a fortune. Of course I'm going to take $50 million. And then I still get to look like the good guy. Cause I can go to my boss and say, Hey, I just made you $50 million. He's going to be like, good job. Way to go. That's how you do that. Wow. That's okay, obviously. He... This guy is actually really smart. I like yeah. I like his moves. <laughs> it is. It's so it, it's a it's an oversimplification of what happened. Obviously, because this gets really technical. And if you do check out the book Billion Dollar Whale, it's got a lot more of the details to like kind of the the actual financial schemes. But I think that it would probably put me to sleep writing it or reading it. So we're just going to kind of hit a lot of the highlights of what he was up to. So um, right. immediately upon siphoning all this money up, he just starts partying like a fucking rock star. I mean, he goes to America. And he is like this big shot and he has so much like 
it, it, you, there are people that are wealthier on paper, but carrying around that much cash is unheard of. Like, there's just not like he may have been the oh, wealthiest he, like person. Floyd Money Mayweather. It he, like he had, I mean, he had just all this money. Like there wasn't, it wasn't like it was seven hundred million dollars in Amazon shares. It was seven hundred million dollars in cash that hit his account. So he's got probably more cash on hand than maybe anybody on the planet at that particular time. And he goes fucking crazy. He starts buying properties all over the United States. Um, he bought a thirty million dollar penthouse in New York City. He bought a thirty nine million dollar mansion in Los Angeles. He uh, bought a $250 million yacht. <laughs> I mean, this guy is burning. He's blowing through a lot of money right he's now. He's going through a lot of money. He And not only does those properties cost that much to buy, it also costs a fortune to maintain. Upkeep. Absolutely. Um, they buy. He buys a bunch of artwork. Um, he spent $35 million on a Claude Monet painting. He spent almost $60 million on a Jean-Michel Basquiat painting. Um, you see, if I was rich, that's the kind of stuff I would invest my money in. Like yeah. shit that I can see that I know is not going to like depreciate over time. Yeah. Yeah. Art yeah, is yeah, yeah. the biggest way that rich people launder money. Well, I mean, it, it is. That's what it is. They are world. Anybody who's like, no, they just appreciate the. No, they don't. It's a fucking game. These people do right. not care about aesthetics. They don't care about art. They care about money. And if they can hide some of their ill-gotten money into a piece of art and then make more off of it when they flip it, they absolutely will. These right. these these wealthy people are not art collectors. They're money launderers. Oh, that, that is my art school education coming out, these fucking people. Um, anyway, he also spent a ridiculous amount of money on jewelry for some of the ladies in his life. Uh, he apparently spent $27 million on a diamond necklace, uh, another $1.3 million on a diamond pendant, I mean, he's, he's really been... stop. My girlfriend listens to this. <laughs> uh, he also allegedly used his stolen funds to per- purchase a private jet worth around thirty-five million dollars. So this dude is living high on the hog. So far, off of just what you've said, you he like spent him. like three hundred million of that seven hundred and fifty yeah. million. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He since and, and we'll get to that. He does spend through almost all of it. Uh, it's as crazy as that, that is, is insane that is like a lifetime full of money <laughs> i almost admire him at this point because i'm like that takes some fucking skill to get through that amount of right. money um, right but the, i would you know, buy everything i wanted in a week and just be sitting on like 600 million dollars i'm like well right. <laughs> what now? <laughs> normal people can't spend that amount of money that's why it's so impressive um but even more than the money was he just wanted to be known he wanted to be I wouldn't say famous. I don't think he wanted to be in the spotlight, but he wanted important, famous people to know who he was. So he kind of went on like a friend hunt and he started to, you know, cuddle up to some celebrities. And he's like, these are my my celebrity friends. So he, um, he. Don't you want to be my friend? And they all were like, yeah, because you have more money than anybody I've ever seen throw money around. And maybe you can help me out. (laughs) Um, so he became he befriended befriended i don't know if how many of these people that were like really really friends uh paris hilton was in his little entourage at one point That's jamie hot. jamie fox um alicia keys he uh actually for about a year he oh, dated alicia yeah alicia was in there um for a little while he was dating a woman named miranda care or, or Keir. she was a she's an australian model um she was married to orlando bloom 
the the hot elf from Lord of the Rings, and then after they got a divorce, she started dating Joe Lowe <laughs> for about a year. How uh, that you're gonna bring up Orlando Bloom and you bring up Lord of the Rings? Yeah. He's fucking the dude from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, those are the big two franchises. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, he's a hot guy. Dude, so. yeah, that dude's a fucking stud. Yeah, yeah. So it, she, you know, they got dude, a divorce. Drop the fucking skin off that guy's cock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm gonna send you a picture of Joe Lo. I just want you to just for comparison, and I'm not shaming this guy, but I'm just saying that there's. I mean, I, will. Yeah, I know you will. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's a little bit of a difference but anyway oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> joe low i'm glad you got money brother <laughs> <laughs> oh that's an ugly motherfucker i didn't think it was ugly i just he's it's just really asian looking dude it's I don't so, know. It just it's just really hard to compete with a guy that looks like orlando bloom for anybody so his biggest coup in terms of friendship was a gentleman by the name of Leonardo DiCaprio. And he and Leo got to be, and I, I'd say out of everybody in this this story, probably Leo might have been the only decent or, you know, friend that Jolo had. Like the rest of them seemed like they were purely using it for money. And DiCaprio comes across the same way, but he definitely stuck around longer. I think maybe he just had like a longer game plan. Um, but he, yeah, he and Leo were, were real buds. Well, how old was Joe Lowe at this point? Joe Lowe was, I mean, in 2009, he was in his early thirties. Oh, damn. He didn't cut him off after 25. That's crazy. <laughs> nice. Um, so this is also from billion dollar row real quick. I just want to kind of set the stage for what this guy's doing with all this money. So it was October 22nd, 20, 2009, only three weeks since Lowe took $700 million from one, uh, one MDB hours early, earlier, around 20 playmates had flown in first class from across the United States. One of the Hell newest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Vegas, by the way. One of the newest hotels on the strip, the Palazzo, was an impressive site with stately stone staircases that brought visitors up to a lobby with an indoor waterfall. Beyond that yeah. was the casino floor, one of the largest in the country. At around 8 p.m., the playmates arrived at the door of a VIP room and entered. Inside, around long card table were a handful of Asian men playing poker accompanied by Leonardo DiCaprio. Some of the models had met the actor before, but his presence in this gathering struck some of them as peculiar. The party, the women quickly learned, was an early celebration for the birthday of a portly Asian man who introduced himself as Joe Lowe. What, some of them wondered, was the actor doing in the company of these anonymous and rather dull men? <laughs> uh, Money! <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. That's the TLDR. Um, after about 20 minutes of watching the group play, Lowe began to pass out thousand dollar chips down the table, one for each woman, and made a signal for the party to move into a suite in the hotel. With a huge security entourage, the group made its way across the gaming floor as tourists looked on. No one appeared to recognize DiCaprio, who was wearing his trademark battered baseball cap pulled down tightly to assure an anim- anonymity. At the doors of the chairman's suites on the fifth floor, the most opulent at the Palazzo, uh, security guards waited. The burly men in bark, bark, dark suits and earpieces required the playmates to hand over their bags, phones, and driver's licenses, and then sign an NDA before entering the suite. Um, Ooh. Yeah. 
the women. Oh, the women. I'm not familiar with your game, sir. <laughs> so uh, it says the women were used used to attending openings and nightclub events, but this high security atmosphere was strange. Nonetheless, the three thousand dollar fee they had been promised to hang out for just a few hours overcame any qualms that they might have had. So this is a guy flies in twenty Playboy playmates to Vegas just to come and you know blow on some asian men dice uh while they they roll and hopefully make some money so is that what spent... the kids call it nowadays yeah that's yeah something like that oh how many times <laughs> you been to vegas um brother i'm talking about blowing on dice <laughs> you don't pay three thousand dollars just to blow on some fucking dice yeah. you know what I'm well saying? They, they actually did it did there wasn't anything more you know gross or under we don't fucking know well, I think they there was enough of them to talk that the story came out. <laughs> no, sure. That's true. Yeah. That, they, that. You answered on background. Like, this wasn't getting out there anyway. But yeah. It, Listen, I ain't like, I'm not throwing shade. Fucking no. get it where you can. Make your fucking money. Sex work is work. You know, it's a firm stance if you catch my grift. Absolutely. All I'm saying is, if I'm giving a girl $3,000, it's not to blow on my fucking nose. I'm getting the fucking, my balls blown on. You know what and, I'm saying? And there could have been something like that. It didn't, the, the book does not <laughs> talk about that. Um, so it was through his friendship with Leo that Lowe would begin a new venture in Hollywood as bankroller for a new production company called Red Granite Pictures. Um, Red Granite was essentially just two people. Uh, Lowe's old friend, Riza Aziz, the guy whose stepfather is the prime minister of Malaysia. Um, the guy who's in the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, the guy in the Wu-Tang Clan. And a guy named Joey McFarland. And they had together produced a couple you of... me the guy from the Wu-Tang Clan and the, and, the guy yeah. that made Family Gosh is hanging out? <laughs> no, this is the guy who actually apparently... He's from Kentucky. He was a, basically like Paris Hilton's handler. Like you, if you needed her to show up somewhere, oh. you booked it through him. And so now he's become like this. He's pretending to be this big Hollywood hotshot producer. Uh, and so he and Riz Aziz uh, formed this production company called Red Granite Pictures. And um, Joe Lowe comes in and says, hey, you know, let's 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 make a big movie. I've got my friend Leo. He's got this movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. He wants to make it. Let's throw some money around. Let's get this thing made. So from the from the New York Times, it says, Mr. Aziz's film company, Red Granite Pictures, was largely unheard of when it took over the financing of The Wolf of Wall Street, announcing its intentions with a party at the 2011 Cannes Film Festival, complete with a fireworks extravaganza and a concert by friend of the show, Kanye West. <sighs> yep. You take my money when I'm in need. That's, just wait, you're further ahead than you think. Um, so the Hollywood oh, re- <laughs> so, so the Hollywood Reporter called it an audacious hello to the movie industry. So neither of the founders had the kind of resume that reflected the experience or the income to bankroll a movie company. Mr. Aziz, now 38, had been a junior level banker at HSBC. His part, his partner, Joey McFarland, was a small time investor from Kentucky whose entertainment business apprenticeship included booking paid party appearances for celebrities like Ms. Hilton. So they came out of nowhere and all of a sudden they have all this money and people are like, what the hell's going on? Like you guys threw this huge party at Cannes. You got Kanye West there. Jamie Foxx is there. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like where the, where the, where the fuck is all this coming from? Yeah. Um, 
And it, it was noticed. I mean, it was actually talked about quite a bit. So this is from Vulture, which is kind of like a gossipy rag. It said, how does a fledgling <laughs> name appropriate? <laughs> yeah. Um, how does a fledgling film company with seemingly endless cash make a splash at can easy throw a party on the beach and get Kanye to perform at it. West isn't on tour in Europe. So for the emerging production company, red granite pictures to get him to play a private party at can must have cost a pretty penny. It probably cost around $2 million. Um, they got their money's worth though. Yeah, I know (laughs) they got their money's worth though. Wes, uh, a consummate professional played for a full hour and a half. His white suit. (laughs) This is a long time ago. (laughs) This was 12 years ago. This was 12 years ago. The same man that devout anti-Semitism when he saw the movie 21 jump street. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, (sighs) so he said, um, it said his white suit and face drenched in sweat by the time he was done. And it said he'd spent the first five minutes of the show. So we hear entrance was absolutely was absurdly tight, intermittently shouting, turn it up uh, to the sound folks until eventually they relented. By the time this writer made it down through the many layers of security, he was singing heartless, all lit up in blue, his back to the audience the entire time. Other highlights include Runaway with the piano refrain beautifully Mm. tweaked to sound even more urgent and angst-ridden, though the auto-tune overload was not appreciated. The crowd-pleasing, all of the lights... Go fuck yourself. Runaway is a fantastic song. Okay. (laughs) The crowd-pleasing, all of the lights, stronger with Wes continually disappearing in flashes of smoke and lights, and Gold Digger, during which Wes pretended to have a technical difficulty, but instead pulled Jamie Foxx up on the stage. The crowd, dude, I would give any amount of money. Look, the crowd went nuts. You're going nuts. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, I got goosebumps. Yeah, (laughs) sounds incredible. So we wouldn't be telling the story about the Wolf of Wall Street again without our old friend Jordan Belfort. Oh, the prodigal son returns. Yep. Now this is from this is again from uh, the Billion Dollar Whale. It says in the crowd, Leonardo DiCaprio, swimwear model Kate Upton, and Bradley Cooper danced. Among the guests were disgraced investor turned best-selling author Jordan Belfort and the one-time Wolf of Wall Street could not believe what he was seeing. This was the biggest party of the week-long Cannes Film Festival, and it was a multi-million dollar coming out event for Red Granite. A few days earlier, the fledgling firm had made a big announcement. It had reached an agreement to adapt Belfort's memoir into a movie. Some in Hollywood were already asking questions about Red Granite. Sure, people came out of nowhere in Hollywood, but who the hell are Riz Aziz and Joey McFarland? The staggering amount of money uh, an unknown firm had paid for this launch party stirred disbelief. The rumor was that West alone earned around a million to perform. The rapper peppered his stage banter with weirdly positive statements, including this is, and I'm going to do a Kanye quote. This is the most Kanye thing I think I've ever written. Or I've ever Kanye voice. Yeah, I don't have a Kanye voice. I'm not going to do it. I'm not walking into that trap. It said, red granite will change the well, the way films are made forever. <laughs> That that is a Kanye <laughs> hype line, if I've ever heard one. Um, himself, no stranger okay. to fraud, Jordan Belfort thought something wasn't right about the setup. The event must have cost at least $3 million, Belfort calculated as he nibbled on canopies and watched the A-list entertainment. And the movie uh, hadn't even gone into production. This is in quotes by Belfort. This is a fucking scam. Anyone who does, does this has stolen money. <laughs> Belfort told him. <laughs> He would know. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Uh, you wouldn't spend like the, spend money you worked for like that. A few months later, Lowe would offer Belford $500,000 to attend an event in Vegas with DiCaprio. Red Granite had paid him handsomely for the rights of the memoir, but Belford was starting to distrust the group. Eager to stay out of trouble, focusing instead on his new career as a writer and motivational speaker, Belford turned them down. But DiCaprio and his co-star Margot Robbie went right along. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then again, mm-hmm. Jordan, it says... Leo got sucked in, Belfort later, later told Swiss journalist Katarina Bart. Leo's an honest guy, but I meet these guys and I said to Anne, Anne was his girlfriend, these guys are fucking criminals. I was like, I don't need these fucking people. I knew it. It was so obvious. Hey, man, listen. <laughs> First of all. You get $750,000 and you get the chance to make a fucking movie. And at the launch party, you have Kanye show up. Jamie Foxx is the special guest for Gold Digger. Jordan Belfort is there in person calling you out. And then you have the opportunity to march Margot fucking Robbie and Leonardo DiCaprio out. Dude, come on. Also, Jordan Belfort is full of shit. He lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth, I'm convinced at this point, is a lie. He didn't have this. This interview (laughs) didn't come about until everybody figured out what the fuck was going on. This happened. The interview was in 2017, which is two years after. Spoiler alert. Everything fell apart. He's full of shit. He, he certainly didn't have a problem taking a million dollars to sell the rights to his book. If he's like, oh, these guys are fucking criminals. But I'll take their money. Is that really all it took? Yeah, that was all it took. That was it. It was a million. So he paid more for Kanye to show up than he paid for the rights to this movie. Yeah, but that's a lot for rights to the movie. Like uh, they, the lot. There's not a lot of million dollar book uh, right deals going on in Hollywood. Listen, brother, I'm just a lowly southern boy. I don't know how this movie industry works. <laughs> if I'm to believe the words of Kanye West, it is ran by the don't stop. Um, so yeah, so Belfort is a liar. He was happy to party with these guys and take all of their money. And then when the bottom come out, he was when the bottom came out of everything, he was like, Oh, listen, I knew that all along. I knew it was a scam because I used to scam people. But you know, who would never ever say that he used to scam people because he doesn't want that kind of heat. Um, so yeah, so now Lowe is tangled up in Hollywood, right? And he's got this massive commitment because the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, the budget for it was almost $100 million. I mean, this is an expensive movie to make. And now Lowe is on the hook. The problem is he's running out of money mm. because he's been spending like crazy on all these elaborate parties, all the property. All the... In... Imagine running out of $750 million. That, what an insane thing to do. That should yep. be money for your children's children. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, crazy. some of the stuff that he was buying, like properties, he actually would later turn around and like sell back to other people. You know, so, I mean, he was doing all kinds of crazy things and, and stowing money away. And I don't believe that he spent through everything. I think he was hiding money, a lot of it. And it just kind of came under the appearance that he was running out of money. Either way, in, in 2012. Money is wasted on the wealthy. Yeah, for sure. But in so in 2012, he's running low on capital and he uh, is looking for another way to kind of like pull money in his direction, basically. And enter right. at this point, a very famous institutional investor uh, called Goldman Sachs. Hey, they've had more than one appearance on the show. Yeah, and they're, that probably won't be the last of them. So um, <laughs> let, this guy, uh, Tim... Leisner. He's a German fellow. He's also um, married, actually, currently to Kimora Lee Simmons. And they, even though they're now separated, they're still technically married. You know, that is right. 
Nope, no clue. That was uh, Russell Simmons' wife. They had a reality show for a little while. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, when she divorced uh, Russell Simmons, she ended up marrying this geeky uh, Goldman Sachs banker named. Um, Wait, you talking Tim. about Rev Run? No, not Rev Run. Russell Simmons. Didn't they have a reality show? Rev Run had a reality show. No, I know that. I know that. But she was on a show. I thought, yeah, Kimura, the life in the fab lane. I don't know what the fuck that is, brother. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) But it was there. Anyway, um, he was this guy, Tim, uh, was the head of Goldman Sachs's operations of Southeast Asia. He was also the chairman of the bank's Southeast Asia business. And he basically set up bond sales for one MDB for about six point five billion dollars. Oh my God. So he basically came in and <laughs> said, so much fucking we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to issue bonds. So you're essentially going to buy into this, this Malaysian sovereign wealth fund. And we think that you could get another six and a half billion dollars out of the deal if you wanted to. So Goldman greenlit it. They, they are now backed by Goldman Sachs. So that immediately lends some legitimacy to this project because Goldman just sees dollar signs. Um, so this is slimy shit. Like this is <laughs> it's really slimy oh shit. I mean, this is this is Goldman like trying to, hey, how can we make money in Southeast Asia? This guy comes in and says, Hey, listen, we're gonna do this bond deal with one MDB. And they're like, We can make a shitload of money off of this. They're like, absolutely, we can make a shitload of money. Go ahead and do it. God. So Tim's role in this scandal involved using Goldman Sachs's reputation and connections to win lucrative deals from the bank. And then conspiring with others to siphon off millions of dollars in bribes and kickbacks. In particular, Tim admitted to paying millions of dollars in bribes to Malaysian and Abu Dhabi uh, officials in order to secure the one MDB bond deals for Goldman Sachs. He, uh, which I think is, it's kind of funny about him. He actually, he and Kamorley Simmons had a kid together. They named that child, I'm not even shitting you, Wolf, <laughs> out of all things. <laughs> anyway. Dude, oh my God, celebrities are so fucking stupid. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so they, Dude, they go if around. there was a kid in my school named Wolf, I would relentlessly <laughs> bully them. <laughs> um, I, so basically Tim and Joe Lowe went around shopping for people to invest in this fund. Right. And they would eventually land a deal with uh, the international petroleum investment company, which was um, the, another sovereign wealth fund, but this one was based in um, Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Right. So this is an actual Mm -hmm. legitimate sovereign wealth fund. It's got a ton of fucking money. There's so much oil in the UAE. And so this is, this is run by one of the princes. Everyone in Dubai is rich. Everyone. (laughs) But basically this play was like, Hey, so we have the government of Abu Dhabi and we have Goldman Sachs. This is legit. Like we need to, this is how you like look like a legit organization to everybody. So you can glad you can give us all this money. We'll invest it for you. We'll we'll return your money with you know with extra uh earned investment on it. A few people um were still a little bit skeptical about this. Um the basically the way it was set up is there was a an investment company called Abar Investments Limited. And it was an account that was set up in the Virgin Islands. 
And it was meant to look like a bar investments PJS, which was actually a subsidy of the Abu Dhabi Sovereign Wealth Fund, right? So they basically right. set up a bank account that looks just like the legitimate bank account. It's a slightly different name, but they were like, no, 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 this is where all the money should go. OneMDB uh, would later claim on its audited financial statements that it, they made a transfer to the fake bank account for $576 million. Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, it would never go to Abu Dhabi. This bank account was once again run by Joe Lowe. He just got another $576 million. This dude's a real piece of shit. <laughs> but he's good at it. He's good at it. He knows what it takes. He had like this like weird ability to like to hide money in shell companies and move stuff around. It was like one thing that people give him a lot of credit for is being able to really manipulate the, the legal and financial system to his benefit. And he's like just pulling truckloads of fucking money by using all these like weird loopholes and mysterious offshore, you know, bank accounts. Um, so Listen, and I'm not exactly going to be sad about oil families being ripped off. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> like that doesn't make me particularly sad. Yeah. So um even though the the one MDB claims that it was five hundred and seventy-six million dollars, it actually turned out, according to other records, that it was closer to about eight hundred million dollars. So let's just say Jeez, between, there's more. <laughs> there's it was actually more, more than what they claimed in the end. Yep, it was a lot Good of fucking money. God. Um, for their part in all of this, for helping to raise that six point five billion dollars, Goldman Sachs netted about six hundred million dollars on their own. So they were more than happy to help with this because that's a ridiculous amount of money. Um, the for bringing in the business, Tim, the guy that worked at Goldman Sachs, was paid a salary and bonuses in 2012 of more than $10 million, making him one of the bank's top remunerated employees. That's a lot of money. That's a salary, right? That's $10 million a year. Everyone just made all five bandits on this deal. Yeah, but it keeps going. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Unknown to his bosses at Goldman, and three months after the first bond, millions of dollars began to flow into a British Virgin Islands shell company controlled by Tim, some of which he shared with uh, one of his associates. Millions of dollars more moved through Tim's shell company to pay bribes to one MDB officials. Over the next two years, more than 200 million dollars in in malaysian money uh raised by goldman would flow through the accounts controlled by tim and his relatives so he's also getting in on the action he's not happy right. making 10 million dollars a year he's like i gotta bribe all these people i gotta give this money you gotta spread it out give it to all my family hide 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 take all this money let's go i mean it was a fucking free for all dude everybody who had anything to do with this thing is pulling money as fast as they can out of it at the expense of the Malaysian people. Like, let's not forget that this is, this is their money through taxes and through, you know, the wealth of a nation that is just being siphoned very quickly. Think about what Brett Favre and Ted DiBiase did to the people of Mississippi, but on a larger scale on a, so much like those guys are way too stupid to pull something off like this there's too much fucking collective cte in that group of idiots there's no way they could think of something like that um so we 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 talked a little bit um about the movie the wolf of wall street a couple of times now but fun fact leonardo dicaprio won the best um actor at the golden globes he was nominated he won a single academy award 
but he won uh, a Golden Globe. And in his acceptance speech, he thanks Joe Lowe. You want to roll the it? clip? You want to watch it? All right. Roll that beautiful film footage. <laughs> thank you to the entire production team, Joey, Riz, Joe. Thank Joey, Riz, and Joe. Thank you for being uh, not only collaborators, but taking That's a, a risk on, on this movie, truly. Um, Emma, Irwin, the entire production team, Thelma, Pietro, Rick. All right, you get the point. So, yeah, sitting right there at his table. It's jarring to hear his actual voice. <laughs> <laughs> well that at the table were Riza and Joey McFarlane. Riz, Riz uh, God, you got me saying it now. Uh, <laughs> Riza Aziz and Joey McFarlane. And he also thinks 36 chambers. <laughs> and he also thanks Joe Lowe in his acceptance speech. Joe Lowe got a shout out in the credits as well. Did like a special thank you to Joe Lowe at the in the Wolf of Wall Street. So wow. yeah, he's throwing his shit around. Um, just didn't care. It was very obvious what he was doing. So we're going to leave Joe for a minute because he's out there being a Hollywood big shot, spending a shitload of money. We're going to go back to Malaysia for a minute because there's another guy that's caught up in this whole thing. And that is the prime minister, um, Najib, uh, who is up for re-election at this point. And people are getting a little suspicious of what the fuck is going on. So this is I believe this is from The New York Times. I didn't mark it. This is Mr. Najib, who earns an annual salary of about $100,000 as prime minister, has been battered by news media reports of his wife's lavish spending. A notable episode involving Birkenbags, a series of photos that went viral in social media in Malaysia, showed Ms. Rosma Rosma, holding at least nine of the purses. They typically cost between $9,000 and $150,000 apiece. Wow. Harif Sabri, an aide to Mr. Najib from 2000 to 2004, who joined the opposition in 2012, said the prime minister kept, quote, piles and piles of ringgit bills stacked in his safe. And invoices and other documents obtained by the Times show millions of dollars in jewelry ordered for Miss, uh, Ms. Rosma in Hong Kong in 2008 and 2009. Diamond and emerald rings and diamond, emerald and ruby bracelets. So she is spending like a fiend. Very much like Tammy Faye Baker, when people start going, why does she have so much money? And they start to get really, really suspicious of what's going on. This might be the poor coming out in me, mm-hmm. but I don't understand why you got to pay for the real thing. Like you could buy a fake Birkin bag for 50 bucks. It's a status symbol. It's a it's a rich fuck. You, know, but thing. you still have the status symbol by buying the fake one. Yeah, but if you ever found out that you have a fake one, that's it. That your status is revoked. I guess oh, it's stupid. Know. It's stupid. It's not, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a healthy thing to want to do to right. show off and impress your friends that you spent $150,000 on a fucking handbag. Just, yeah, it's not, it's not, no, these are not normal people. So, <laughs> so prime minister Najib is having a hard time and says in uh, 2013 elections, the opposition actually won the popular vote for the first time in more than four decades. Mr. Najib kept his job only because the allocation of seats in parliament was weighed in favor of rural areas where his party's coalition was strong. Within hours of the announcement, crowds filled the streets of Kuala Lumpur to protest. Um, one of the toughest areas for Mr. Najib's party was Mr. Lowe's home state of Penang. Um, in the weeks leading up to the vote, Mr. Lowe helped a newly formed group, the One Malaysia Penang Welfare Club. The club gave out free food and beer, as well as, quote, lucky draw tickets for bicycles and other prizes. And Mr. Lowe flew in musicians like Busta Rhymes and Ludacris for what was described as a non-political party. 
Come on. So come on. Najib is having me. some trouble. They'd get me for sure. Oh yeah. They'd get me for sure. Like, Here's free some food. Beer, free food. Some ludicrous. Some, yes, ludicrous. Here we go. <laughs> so they <laughs> like, oh is... man, I fucking hate these people, man. I hate what is that? Let's move, bitch. Oh, let's go. It's also like it, it's it's I mean, I dare not speak too much about political parties outside of the US because I really don't know very much, but it's interesting that that he is so popular in the rural areas, yet he is stealing so much money. It's like you would think Sounds that the rural familiar. areas, yeah, I know, right? Are the are the 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 least wealthy and the the access to the lowest amount of edge? I don't know. Maybe this could be completely ignorant, but I'm just saying, like, if it was here, that's exactly what the, the scenario would be. But anyway, right. so najib needs help he calls in jolo he says hey go back to your home province be a big shot do what you need to do swing this fucking thing in my favor or the the tap goes dry and none of us get any of this money anymore so he did um now there are a lot of other people caught up in this thing as well i've only really focused on a few people um but there was a lot of people making money um he again like i said earlier he was really skilled in the art of moving money around and it was great for almost six years, and then all hell breaks loose. All this is in the span of six years? Yes. All of this oh is in the span of six God. years. Oh, my God. So in January of 2015, 227,000 documents are leaked by a whistleblower. There's a whistleblower who was hired by Petro Saudi, basically to be just kind of a guy that goes mm-hmm, and just okays all the transactions. This is <laughs> going way back. The guy got sold a, a short deal, like got sold a raw deal, and all the things that he was promised never really came to pass. So he decides, fuck this, I'm out of here, and I'm taking everything I can with me because they're up to some <laughs> shady ass shit. He sends it take to take care of your people. You got to take care of your people. Got to pay them, especially if you prompt like the story goes, he was promised all of this, this pay and these incentives, and then they never delivered on any of them. And so he's like, why am I fucking doing this? I didn't want to work for this company. And now I am not getting what I was told I was going to get. Um, so he leaks all of all of these documents. He sends them to the New York or to the Wall Street Journal and says, hey, I really think there's something going on. Here's two hundred and twenty seven thousand documents that can back up what I think. And so oh my God. almost immediately, the prime minister, Najib, uh, puts out an arrest warrant for him and throws him in a Malaysian jail. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Oh, that's not going to look better. Him. Yeah, right. I know when the prime minister's like, get him, go. Um <laughs> So this this eventually will lead to the downfall of everybody very, very quickly. Um, the, the Wall Street Journal ran with the tip and everything fell apart. I'm not going to get like too deep into the details because it is a very long investigation and they go in and it gets really boring trying to like crack down on some of this financial cr- the crimes. But uh, Lowe, sensing trouble, got the fuck out of town. He was gone. I don't blame him. As quick as, he, as any of this stuff hit the fan. Uh, and basically what he was sitting on, and I'm going to read a little bit from the FBI. It says, um, this is the following year. It says, uh, U.S. seeks to recover $1 billion in the largest kleptocracy case to date. Uh, and it says, uh, the U.S. government is seeking to recover more than a billion dollars in assets tied to international public corruption and global money laundering conspiracy and what the Department of Justice officials describe as the largest single action ever brought under the kleptocracy asset recovery initiative. 
Um, at a press conference today, Attorney General Loretta Lynch announced civil forfeiture complaints to recover <laughs> assets associated with the fund owned by the Malaysian government that raised nearly $8 billion to benefit the Malaysian people. Instead, much of the money was diverted to high, by high-ranking funds uh, officials and their associates to purchase yachts, hotels, a $35 million jet, artwork by Vincent Van Gogh and Claude Monet, and to bankroll the popular 2013 film, The Wolf of Wall Street. You know, what, you know what that reminds me of? No. We're also trying to raise $8 billion at <laughs> patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. We can get all sorts of extra bonus content. we got an exclusive Discord. We have Patreon podcasts that are going to start returning soon. We even have a, a fucking promo. I got lost in the sauce, brother. Promo codes for our new merch shop at iycmgmerch.bigcartel.com. That's two plugs in one. Let's continue with the story. <laughs> so they went in. They they started just seizing as many assets as they could get. They got one of the they got one of the mansions in Los Angeles. They got a thirty million dollar that thirty million dollar penthouse in New York. They got a seventeen and a half million dollar mansion in Beverly Hills. A diamond necklace that was worth twenty seven million dollars. I mean, it's just insane. The Van Gogh painting that they got back. Um, the private jet they got, uh, they got a yacht that was worth about 126 million, bunch of cars, they're just taking everything they are. They're trying to get that money back. It doesn't belong to anybody, but the Malaysian people. So they're pulling back as much as they can get. Now, this is from, um, the Hollywood reporter because it gets even weirder. I think this is in 2016, the justice department detailed McFarland spending in its record breaking civil complaint and charged red granite with participating in a quote, international conspiracy to launder money and which saw the feds look to seize the rights to the Wolf of wall street. And later two other movies that red granite had produced dumb and dumber Two and daddy's home. <laughs> oh, daddy's home is really good. As part of their 1.6. So that was also made with stolen money, along with Dumb and Dumber 2. It was not a good movie. Uh, <laughs> so in 2018, Red Granite paid $60 million to settle its case with the feds, while in 2019, McFarland voluntarily handed over nearly $14 million in company profits and gifts, including paintings by Basquiat and Ed Gruska, and 16 movie posters, including one for Fritz Lang's 1932 classic M, as well as several luxury watches. So they shook him out. And the feds, I believe to this day, still own the Wolf Grab of Wall Street. Grab him by his ankles. Just yeah. Grab him by his ankles. Like, nope, need all that. <laughs> yep. Every fucking penny of it. He he ran into controversy. He apparently was a producer. He's still working. And he was a producer on the Will Smith Apple TV Plus movie, Emancipation. And I guess he went to, it was, it's about a, a, a slave in America that was freed and, and like his his story of emancipation. And Joey like rolled in with a photograph. It was, it's considered like the first photograph ever taken of a freed slave. And he said that he had the original and that's what he based the story for this thing on. And and there's a lot of like really weird shit going on with that. They're like, why, why are you collecting? That? Yeah, that's, that's the question. Why the fuck do you have why that? You Where have did that? you get it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he continues to be a fucking weirdo, but he's still working in Hollywood. So there's that. Um, our boy, and and now we're kind of getting into the downfall. So I just want to kind of sort of start to wrap this up and just talk about kind of what happened because I feel like there are some happy endings in this story. Maybe not some too. I feel like we're always in on a downer, but um, 
they shook down Joey McFarlane, got a bunch of the money back. They took over the rights to the Wolf of Wall Street, which I, I could be wrong. I think they still own to this day. So if you buy that movie on DVD, <laughs> the money's going back to the Fed and hopefully eventually coming back to Malaysia. I'm not sure how that works. Um, <laughs> yeah, I doubt they're seeing that money, yeah, brother. No. So uh, Riz Aziz, um, he was reported to be living in Los Angeles, California. He um, had reached a settlement agreement with the U.S. Department of Justice in 2020, which required him to forfeit assets worth millions of dollars that were allegedly purchased with funds that were embezzled from one MDB. Um, under the terms of the settlement, Riz was allowed to avoid prosecution in the U.S. as long as he cooperated with the ongoing investigation and agreed to forfeit his assets. The assets in question included a luxury Beverly Hills mansion, a share of the proceeds from the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, and various pieces of artwork. So he and Joey, they didn't actually steal any of the money. They just trafficked it. They they laundered it. And they both kind of got a slap on the hand, give some of the money back. As we know, the, the feds never get all the money back. So if he was smart and he managed to hide right. it, he's probably sitting on some money still. Uh, Goldman Sachs, in a separate case, the Department of Justice is also investigating whether Goldman violated U.S. banking law with its handling of $6.5 billion in bond offerings that it carried out for 1MDB. The Wall Street behemoth earned $593 million in fees for the issue. Goldman denied any wrongdoing. The bank told The Guardian, we helped raise money for a sovereign wealth fund that was designate or designed to invest in Malaysia. So they're like, we didn't do anything wrong. They just wanted us to do this bond offering. We did it. Shut the fuck up <laughs> well this will make you happy in july of 2020 goldman reached a settlement with the malaysian government to pay 3.9 billion dollars in fines and to guarantee the return Ooh, of at least 1.4 billion in assets allegedly misappropriated from 1mdb in addition the bank agreed to cooperate with the ongoing investigation into the scandal the settlement was one of the largest ever for a financial institution and it was seen as a significant milestone in the global effort to hold corporations accountable for their role in facilitating financial crimes. Okay, so uh, real quick, can you Google the population of Malaysia? Yeah, I think it's like, I'm not even going to guess. It's about 34 million. 34 million? Okay. So, listen, maybe my, my little pea brain thinking, but wouldn't a better solution give every individual in Malaysia $2 million and then the government can take the rest? That's fine. But every person in Malaysia gets two million. So the problem, there's two problems with that. Number one, no government is going to directly give their people money. I know. I know that. Like that's against that. I'm everything all these fucking governments are for, right? Remember how much hard it was just to get a little payout for during COVID. That's never gonna happen. Number two, the problem is, and the reason that the heat came down so much is that these guys, in addition to stealing all this money from the taxpayers in you know of Malaysia, they were also taking money from the the Middle East. They were taking money from investors. Like there was a lot of people that lost money, not just the Malaysian true. people. So we always say here, you fuck with if they had just taken from Malaysians. I don't think this would have hit the fan the way it did. They started taking from like Saudi princes. They were taking wealthy people. They were taking <laughs> Goldman Sachs money. They ain't going to let that slide. No, you can only get away with that for a couple of years before the heat blows you up. And that's exactly what happened. Before here. they dismember you like a journalist. Yep. Um, so Tim, our buddy, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that was, that was, that was Saudi Arabia. They did that. That checks out. Um, different yep. prints though. And they also know what else they did. 
So our our buddy Tim, our friend Tim. Hey, oh, oh my God! Huh. I thought of such a good joke. What? Nine eleven. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Tim and the guy, the the Goldman guy, ended up pleading guilty in twenty eleven, or I'm sorry, twenty eighteen, to charges of conspiracy to launder money and and violate the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Uh, he agreed to cooperate with the authorities in the investigations of the scandal. As part of his plea agreement, he admitted to facilitating the payment of bribes and kickbacks and participating in a money laundering scheme that involved using the proceeds of the bond sales to purchase luxury real estate, artwork, and other assets. He also agreed to forfeit $43.5 million in ill-gotten gains. However, in 2021, as this thing moved through the courts, he was sentenced to time served. Boo. And as he had been in custody since his arrest. They never go to jail. No, they they never go to jail. Yep. This is bullshit. Dude, it's just bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, how can you get life for a dime sack of weed if you're on your third strike in a state with a free strike law? Well, it's because the the judge said. But these rich fucks that ruin lives. They ruin lives and they never go to jail. Yep. Nope, it's true. It is a hundred percent true. Um, yeah, the judge. I always and the... forget that I want to blow my brains out by the end of the episode. <laughs> That's why we can't do it every week because it's just it's too traumatic for you. Fucking eat a bullet, Jesus uh, Christ! No, the judge said that that Tim's testimony was essential in cracking the case, and so he got time served uh, after Go he was. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So now we get to the prime minister, uh, Najib. After this broke loose, he uh, faced mounting criticism and pressure to resign. In the 2018 general election, his ruling coalition uh, was defeated by the opposition coalition. Uh, He was out of the office of the prime minister and was arrested and charged with corruption-related offenses. In July, he was found guilty on all seven charges related to the 1MDB scandal, including the abuse of power, money laundering, and criminal breach of trust. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. There we go. Someone's going to jail. Um, 12 years in prison and fined $49 million. Now, I should say here that Prime Minister Najib, for himself, snuck stole around between six and seven hundred million dollars as well so so 49 million is nothing no nothing 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 (laughs) compared to what this fucking guy did uh he appealed it uh the 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 12 year sentence and in march of 2021 they upheld the conviction and he was ordered to serve his sentence he is uh appealed once again which to the highest court in malaysia which is the federal court and he lost the appeal as well and is being forced to serve his 12-year prison sentence. There's no chance on Hillary getting out of that one, brother. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot. And I think maybe 12 years sounds light. It, you should also note about him is that his father was also the prime minister of Malaysia. So this is a guy mm. who came from a fucking dynasty in Malaysia. And for him to still get bopped with the 12-year sentence and a fine. Dude, and those 12 years, like, that's not going to be hard time. You know what I mean? Like, you go on to, like, a nice little prison you're not going yeah. to the fucking state prison down the road. Yeah. Um, so this is it's uh, it's a weird I don't thing. Know, man. Maybe in like America, but Malaysia, I don't think they have those there. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you they have club fed for all the like. The, yeah, I, the I think that they do. Uppity people. Yeah, they, there's always something like that. Um, the case has, I mean, some really deep ties uh to the trump campaign because as all this was going on 
the folks of that were involved. Of course it <laughs> does. They, of course it does. Yeah. Um, so they ended up hiring a guy named Elliot Broidy. He was a longtime Republican donor, and he formally ran the Republican National Convention, so the RNC, to solicit the Trump uh, Trump White House on behalf of Joe Lowe and Prime Minister Najib to give them a lighter sentence. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen, and Elliot Brody was charged by the DOJ for acting on behalf of a foreign agent to lobby the Trump administration. It's a felony. Uh, Brody pleaded guilty to, and as part of his flea, plea, he would give up the $6.6 million he was paid by Joe Lowe to, um, to petition on his behalf. So he was like, Joe was like, we're in trouble. We need to get as many people as we can. <laughs> Elliot also resigned as the RNC chairman because he uh, got a Playboy Playmate pregnant and paid her a bunch of money to shut the fuck up. That doesn't sound familiar at all either. <laughs> Um, yeah, it sounds like uh these people got a habit it sounds yeah, like a pattern yeah it does it's really weird um he's brody's got all kinds of weird fucking dealings he's like he dealt with he was fucking around with some convicted pedophiles and it's all kinds of weird this is where all that q conspiracy shit starts to like brew up but unfortunately they're like pointing it at the wrong people it's like if you just turn around right. a little bit and look in this the direction call is coming from inside the house <laughs> that's exactly it um so yeah so that's that's kind of a sum up of all of the players except for joe low um joe low is believed currently to be hiding somewhere in china no one knows exactly where he is. Well, he still has that's a pretty good place to hide. Especially if you speak Chinese and you have a shitload of money, which he's suspected to have still quite a lot of money on hand to be hiding out. He says that he is a he's being persecuted, that it's a political rich hunt, blah, 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 all that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Also sounds familiar. But he has not come forward. Um, he stopped posting on his Instagram a few years ago. I'm sure it's probably because he doesn't want to fuck up and give somebody his location by accident. Right. Um, and he's just kind of in the wind. I think he's going to screw up at some point. I think he'll probably get caught. Uh, but I don't think they're going to get any of the money. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's impossible to hide from anyone in 2023. I mean, all you got to do, all he's got to do is just, you know, fuck up badly in China, burn the wrong bridge, piss the wrong person off over there, you know, and, and they'll, they'll he'll get turned on. There's not, I mean, he's got enough, yeah. he's wanted in a lot of different countries right now for his money, but that's the long and short of the story with all of the stolen money that went into the Wolf of Wall Street. Um and that's it. That's that's. This all is I got. not the episode I thought we were gonna have today. <laughs> Very you, different. Yeah. What did you think? I thought we were gonna talk about the making of it. This is this is a whole different making of making of the money that made that film. Not yeah, the, the making uh, of the money. The, I think the making of the movie was probably pretty boring. It was it was more how the movie got made in the first yeah. place. <laughs> I I I don't know. I thought maybe Isn't you know that? Matthew McConaughey and them were doing coke and. All uh, these guys were there. Right, I don't know. Right. No fucking idea what was going on with this episode. And then you start talking about, you know, this guy and that guy. And this, this is a wild ride. It is. I mean, it's it's the big one. It, it actually I'd have to look because I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it definitely rivals anything um, that uh, uh, Bernie Madoff was doing just in like a much shorter amount of time. Like this guy, right. instead of just like taking a little bit, a little bit from a lot of people, this guy's like, I'm going to take a lot from like one person and I'm going to run with it. 
uh, he's got some balls, man. But the, it's it's actually remarkable if you go back and you look at the coverage because before the Wall Street Journal story posted, everybody like the New York Times was writing about, it. oh, look at this, you know, enigmatic Malaysian billionaire coming over to New York to buy all this property. Ooh, and he's hanging out with Paris Hilton and oh, man of mystery who's now a producer. And I'm like, and then all this shit, it, you know, you hit the, it hits the fan and you learn why this guy actually had all this money. And it just looks a little ridiculous to put any sort of puff piece for you know these mysterious billionaires that are out there um spending all this money and i don't know it just it's it's really if you want to help us become a mysterious billionaire you can go to uh patreon.com slash if you catch my grift good job charlie <laughs> hell yeah i'm just bummed that we never got to uh his long lost american cousin roblo <laughs> oh yeah literally um yeah so i think i I mean dalton do you have any other questions before we wrap things up um no i'm just uh real bummed that the bad guy didn't get caught in the story (laughs) not yet not yet we really we'd be breaking tradition if he did if he was you know alive and not in jail um you know, yeah, or alive sure. and in jail would break our streak of these fucking assholes getting away with stuff. Yeah, it's always either or. It's never both. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, we're gonna do something a little bit different next week. Um, we're going back to the psychic sort of psychic land. Um, my, my favorite thing. This will be my. This actually might be my favorite show that we're gonna do. I haven't even started writing it that yet. This guy is the Are biggest. We doing... Oh, what? We're doing Caesar. No, see, no, no, we're not doing Caesar. That's going to be episode 50. We got, we got 49 before then this okay. guy we're going to do, we're going to play some old art bell tapes. We're going to talk about a guy who claims to be a prophet um, and is pretty fucking incredible. I'm going to just call him. I'm just, cause I'm Dalton's getting excited. Uh, but he is like the poor man's Alex Jones. This is a guy who wanted to be Alex Jones and just didn't have the fucking chops to do it. For a second. I thought we were going to talk about JC. No, 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 not JC. I love JC though. Those segments are my favorite. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Bell. <laughs> Mr. Bell. I'm eternally grateful for uh, Charlie, like, put me on to that uh, podcast feed on Spotify. It's just like called like Art Bell I did. That was me. Classics or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that you? Yeah, it was me. That no, wasn't me. Oh, okay. Yeah, Charlie's well, never listened to Art Bell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, dude, I can fucking fly through those that work like fucking oh, all day long you may have heard this guy because he's on a he's on our belt all the fucking time or was on our belt all the time but yeah so that's well, who we're going to talk we'll about find out we'll find out next time on if you catch my griff but until then you can find us on social media at catch my griff pod you can find me on social media at griff boy Dalt. you can find charlie on socials at charlie underscore butters and you can find austin on socials at Griff Daddy. That's Twitter. And if you got any money to spare, if you have any cash that you don't need and you want goods delivered to your house, you can go buy a fucking shirt. You can go buy a hat with our faces on it. You can go buy a backpack and put your stuff in. You can put your drugs in it. Go sell it on the corner over at IYCMGmerch.bigcartel.com. And if you want a promo code for that bad boy, you can go subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. Good job. Yeah. Tell Sque- him, tell Squeak him says go. Squeak says go. <laughs> you can find our friends at uh, WGuide 
Hayabusi, a wrestling adjacent podcast. Eggs over. Super fantastic. I don't know if they're still doing stuff. But uh, until then, Austin, what you got to leave them with? Stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.